Hello, Jordan. Good morning. How you doing, Bobby? I'm good. Hey, I've got a, an update. Okay. Um, for you and our listeners, <clears throat> you must all call me now. I have a new legal claim on a title. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever had a title before, but it, it's pretty. It's a. It's a pretty big deal. But you guys, everyone must now address me as Bobby Flood. Jerusalem Pilgrim or Jerusalem Pilgrim Bobby Flood. There's a certificate here that I'm looking at. Pilgrim certificate. By this asta by this attestation, <laughs> be it known that Mr. Bobby Flood, by virtue of fulfilling the biblical calling, has ascended to Jerusalem, the holy the holy city, the holy city, capital of Israel and is henceforth authorized to bear the title Jerusalem Pilgrim, signed by the Minister of Tourism and the Mayor of Jerusalem. There's even a seal and some color. This is a very nice certificate. Yeah, yeah. Well, Pilgrim. (laughs) Howdy, Pilgrim. I might just call you Pilgrim from here on out. Jerusalem Pilgrim. Well, for sure, Pilgrim for short, or would you prefer <laughs> prefer like Jerusalem for short? <laughs> that name's already taken. Bobby Jerusalem Flood. <laughs> In our next corner, Bobby Jerusalem Flood. That, that could, if I ever get into fighting, that might be an option. Or wrestling. For professional wrestling. Would you want to do the regular WWF, the WEF? That's the World Economic Forum. Right. WEEE, what are they? You've got the WCF, no, WWF, World Wrestling Federation, and then it was WWE, World Wrestling Yeah, I, I don't know what they are nowadays. W. It is close to the WEF, though. WWF, WFE, World Federation entertain. I have no idea. Yeah. It's been I, a while. I don't really keep up on that. But I, I realized after they put out the movie Nacho Libre <laughs> that in Mexico they wear masks. Or at yeah, least the, the luchador. In, in that particular universe they wear masks. So wouldn't you prefer to have stretchy pants and wear a mask? It's for fun. <laughs> it's for the children. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think if I was to ever become a worldwide wrestler, foundation, entertainment, professional wrestler, I, I, I mean, the character is the whole, the whole thing, right? I listened to an interview with The Undertaker. Yeah. yeah he was on Joe Rogan. Recently? A couple years ago. And oh, okay. He said that uh, he was trying to make it in the business, and Vince McMahon got a hold of him. Vince McMahon is the founder of all this stuff. Got a hold of him and said, I've got a perfect character for you. You don't have to say a, a dang word. 
you're just a big dumb guy who's tough and the undertaker i don't remember his real name he's like that sounds perfect and of course he came became a huge star as the undertaker so you're seriously considering this it seems no (laughs) (laughs) well the pilgrim is a pretty good identity or the jerusalem pilgrim i would get canceled why uh, for pilgrimizing there, people? There would be some, some cultural appropriation somewhere. The pilgrimator? In there, I'm sure. There was. You remember the Iron Sheikh? Sheikh? Uh, yeah. Iron Sheikh. Iron Sheikh. I'm thinking of JCWs right then. <laughs> and I was like, man, those guys are charging a lot for those shakes. Let me, let's, do, let's see here. The Iron Sheikh, as we would say. How do you pronounce it? I think the proper. You're the pronunciator. I should not correct you. I think your the locals say Sheikh. Well, you would know because you recently became a, a Jerusalem pilgrim. There's a story behind that we're going so to have to talk the, about. The Iron Sheik, first uh, birth name, Hossein Khosro Ali Waziri. He was born so in... So he did not culturally appropriate that uh, name. He's Iranian. He was born in Iran. So Persian? And, yeah, and... Uh, Better known as his ring name, the Iron Sheik. He's an Iranian retired professional wrestler, amateur wrestler, and actor. He's the only Iranian champion in WWE history, having won the WWF World Heavyweight Championship in 1983. It's a long time ago. Yeah. In 2005, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Is that in Canton, Ohio, near the football hall? Of fame? <laughs> Here's a question I have: How is somebody inducted into a hall of fame that is entirely scripted? <laughs> well, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is kind of scripted, isn't it? They scripted out their music, and but that's not the same thing. It. The outcomes of these matches are scripted. Yeah, but is that why they're in there? Is it because of the number of wins, or is it because of things like the people's elbow and the people's eyebrow? And the rock is just insanely popular. Probably. I don't know. I mean, there's another guest we could talk about having on, but not have on. Vince McMahon. Vince is McMahon. That his name? Yeah, he he's um. I think Vince McMahon needs a lot of credit. I mean, he took something kind of silly and made it into a a media empire and he still is involved he's still making lots of money and uh, entertaining a lot of people the pro world of pro wrestling i don't follow it too closely but i cl- follow it closely enough to know it it's huge it's still a big deal which i find well i think he's hilarious. running he may be running the show he's he's not as popular as in in you know the total media as he once was when it was just the television networks, I think, but I mm-hmm. think he might've gotten a side gig, which may, may have become his main gig. Well, he's been running involved corporate with, media, like news, news organizations. He's been involved with, uh, I think he started the XFL. If you remember that he was involved with that. Um, Wasn't he recently put in charge of like CNN, MSNBC and Fox news? No, I don't think so. Well, I don't know if they announced it. I mean, maybe they consult him and say, why aren't we, we don't have an audience. You're good at fake things. Can you help our fake thing? I think this happened a few years back. I think it was four or five years back. And it was just like, hey, we're just going into total fakeness. You have a pretty good memory. So I'm not going to question you further, but I'm going to (laughs) confirm or just look this up. That he's not running CNN? 
Let's see what the uh, un- undisputed world of truth Wikipedia has to say about Ask it. Ask the chatbot. <laughs> While you were gone, the chatbot was not here. Yeah, that's true. Well, sure, go ahead and look that up, but then tell us about your trip, <clears throat> if you want. Now that no one can come steal your children while you are gone. I don't see anything in here about corporate news, but that's, I'm just scanning it. It wasn't publicized. It was just we, we all of a sudden saw that the corporate news media was behaving like <laughs> WWF. That's what I mean. I see. I see. So I'm inferring that. I mean, so it's a somewhat of a... It's, a, it's not really a leap. I don't want to call it a leap. I don't want to even really call it much of well, a connection. What, I thought so it was pretty obvious to most people. What you're saying is that the corporate news is kayfabe just like the kayfabe... Is kayfabe? Wrestling. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Well, of course. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I mean, just for context, I mean, last night I was watching the Netflix documentary on Bernie Madoff, who for 40 years just <clears> ran a... <throat> A Ponzi. I mean, right. And if you understand what a Ponzi is, that means that you don't do anything. You 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 don't do what you say you're doing. Now he he was running two businesses. He was running a a market making business, which was legitimate, and then he was running a Ponzi, which was completely fabricated, like completely fabricated. And he was able to fool huge people, like. And the question is whether he really fooled them. People like the security and ex- the security and exchange commission, right? The mm-hmm. Securities Exchange Commission, I believe, is what we call that. The SEC, not the Southeastern right. Athletic Conference. The SEC, the Athletic Conference, is actually m- orders of magnitude larger in scope and power and money than the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's just a fact of life. You're all going to have to get used to. But the Securities Exchange Commission does things like um, legitimize Ponzi schemes, <coughs> which <laughs> right. watching this documentary on Netflix was really interesting. Anyway, did they uh, did they elaborate on why he was allowed to to uh, persist for so long, and then suddenly he becomes public enemy number one and is thrown in jail? Well, too many people lost their money. Too many people tried to redeem. I, I haven't got to that point yet, but my my understanding is too many people tried to redeem because they needed cash mm-hmm. in the wake of the 2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And that's when it all came crashing down. But it literally went from, it was like 50 years almost. It was like 1962 when he started. Well, I learned an important lesson from Bernie Madoff, and it's to put your money into good, trustworthy, slow growth, long-term investments. And that's why I put a lot of money into FTX. Oh, <laughs> well, the, uh, the documentary, if it is correct, explained that the, he had interactions with the SEC repeatedly, especially after um, the 90s, so the mid-90s on, mm-hmm. and it was 2008 when it was finally wrapped up, and he was, I mean, he was running essentially an unregistered hedge fund or an unregistered security advisor thing and they would call him up and ask him you know we need to do an audit your your hedge fund blah 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 and he'd say well i'm not running a hedge fund and they would just say oh well okay so they called him up to ask him if he was doing anything wrong and he said no and then (laughs) that was the end of it like literally that was it because he's bernie madoff i mean he 
you just simply didn't go uh, go after the guy. They didn't, right. they, now I haven't I haven't um, gotten to the end to see who spilled the beans or what whatever happened that caused the problem, but kayfabe. This is yeah. You just talk yeah. the talk. A lot of I uh, so yeah. As, as you've mentioned, I was gone for two weeks, and uh, um. I was kind of unplugged from the news and social media, and that's How always was a, that? that's always a good thing. Yeah, it's always enjoy, a enjoy that. Uh, yeah, you yeah. seem a lot happier than <laughs> last uh, time I saw you. That's just the uh, the drugs. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was good. I mean, we I would check in here and there, like on Twitter or something. But what with your kids? Uh, I did check in on the kids once in a while. But you checked in on Twitter more often, right? Well. It depended on if I had uh, any internet access or not. Okay. <laughs> but um, we can infer from your certificate and your new title that you went to the Holy Land. I did. What was, did, did, did you confine your activities to the state of Israel? We went to Jordan as well, the neighboring country. West Jordan, Jordan or South Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. Okay. But the country of Jordan, which is uh, okay. east of Israel, and uh, we went to Petra, saw where the Holy Grail, the Holy Grail was found. You know, I was disappointed. <clears throat> um, there's, I went in there, and there's not an old knight guarding a bunch of different grails. There's not a bunch of tests of your faith and your uh, uh, humility and things like that. Right. The, the inside interior does not look anything like the movie Patrick portrayed it to look right here's the spoiler and this is a huge spoiler and i'm sorry but here's the spoiler there is no interior really it's just it's the, just the facade it's just the facade it goes a few feet back in fact they don't even let you go up there into the doorway but uh it just goes a few feet back and then it's a wall so maybe there's a secret a chamber secret somewhere in that wall but i was not able to explore it because uh they don't let you go inside <laughs> But it's cool. Uh, Petra's neat. I'd been there before. I've been to Jerusalem and uh, before, and I'd been to Israel and and uh, Jordan. But it was a much quicker trip. It was uh, we didn't have as much leisure time. And this trip was a tourist trip, and so we got to see just about everything there is to see. Okay, like what? Well, Petra, as I mentioned, and then we went to Wadi. It's not like the Wadi main Rum. attraction, though. Like what? What are the what are the main attractions well, if you're for, headed there? For Jordan, it is okay. Jordan, um, Jordan's a rough place. It's pretty desolate. Um, Amman, Jordan is a big city, but it's kind of one of those big cities that has some really nice areas and then some really poor areas, <clears throat> and they all kind of mingle together a little bit. Um, but, but yeah, the main attraction, I guess, if you want to put it that way, the, the main point was Israel. I'm looking at this picture though, of Petra, the cut, the cut thing cut into the cliff. It does look like there's a door there. There's a door. But they wouldn't let you go in that door? No, you couldn't go up the steps or into the door. And they told you there was nothing behind it. Well, you can see when you're there, you can kind of see in there and you can see the the, the back of that area. Yeah. But what if on the left or the right that it's you can, like you got can, a secret pass? You, you can, can tell? Yeah. A hundred percent? It's just a box. A hundred percent? Ninety nine percent. Were there any like um, carvings, places to press buttons, or 
insert keys or there might have been i mean i came prepared i know how to spell jehovah in latin okay spell it uh you were gonna do that weren't you Uh, (laughs) i (laughs) it begins with an i i o uh h v a (laughs) no no not j in latin jehovah begins with an i I love that. And I had the timing all down and everything for the penitent man shall kneel. We went to Wadi Room, which is nearby. That is, of course, made famous again in a, in a cinema, uh, cinema history. That is Spell where Wadi is W-A-D-I. Mm-hmm. Rum, I'll give you a guess on that one. R-U-M. Yes. Those are two words. Wadi is the Arabic word for valley, basically. Oh, okay. So you see that word also known the as place. the Valley of the Moon, the crescent, the Valley of the Crescent Moon. <clears throat> That's you too. You totally went on a Holy Grail trip, <laughs> a Grail quest. And uh, so, you, and the only title you got was <laughs> Jerusalem Pilgrim. You didn't get. I didn't get Knight gr- of the Grail. I did not get Knight of the Grail oh because gosh. I did not find the Grail. Oh my gosh! Uh, I'm disappointed. Wadi Rum was where Lawrence of Arabia was filmed. And it was filmed there because that's where the real Lawrence of Arabia led battles in the battle for something or other in World War One. You know, and that's a famous movie. Maybe you've seen that one with Peter O'Toole. Lawrence of Arabia, I have actually seen. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> I don't remember that specifically. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the way the movie begins. The guy's yelling across the Suez Canal at oh. at Lawrence. Okay. Oh, you. <laughs> uh, but that's a, yeah, that's an old classic. Oh yeah, that then, is like uh, that's like one of the classics. So then, after a few days in Jordan, we went into Israel. We crossed the border at the uh, King Hussein Officially? slash Allenby Bridge. Oh yeah, very officially. You have to be smuggled in. Israel's pretty good at the officiality of things like that. Yeah, they take their security very seriously, the airport security. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas in the United States, you fly, you go through TSA, and it's sort of just like a mass cattle prodding. Move along, of, move you, along. You feel like you're kind of getting pushed through it, right? Pushed around. Yeah. These guys inspect everything, right? <clears throat> they question you eye to eye like three different times. And then there's the pushing you through the TSA type stuff. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, they, they do a little profiling. They ask you a lot of questions. And, they, they, and I, I knew about this, but I'd mm-hmm. never experienced it. And we had this friendly guy, this young kid, and mm-hmm. he's like, where are you from? We're like, uh, Salt Lake City. He's like, oh, I have family in St. George. Do you know them? <laughs> and he said the name of the family. We're like, no, sorry, no. And, and afterward, I was kind of wondering, does he really? Or is that, is that just, just the tactic? That's just part of it, right? That's just part, yeah. of, the, part of the thing. But... It's like saying, oh, yeah, yeah, the family. I know the Jones, they run a candy shop. Do you know them? And it's like, if you say yes, they're like, You're no, <laughs> the Jones run a paint shop. <laughs> you know, it's like paint and glass, by the way. <laughs> when you hear the crash, think Jones paint and glass. Anybody Pretty who gr- close. Anybody who grow up listening to... BYU Sports on the oh, radio. Oh, you heard that. I'm going to put a link to them. They deserve that. it for all that money they spent. You've heard that. We're going to single-handedly Jingle. boost their quarter one revenue right here with this link on our website. <clears throat> but we actually, crossing in 
crossing into Jordan was uh, New Year's Eve, and the border was closing at noon. Oh, okay. And we got there about 11.30, and they didn't really want to mess with us. So we went through with, they did a spot check where they kind of gave... The Jordanese? No. The Jordanians. The, the Israelis. Oh, the Israelis were like tired, and they're like, ah, these are a bunch of Mormons. Basically. Let them go through. Basically. So we, we crossed pretty the Mormons. It, the Mormons um, are well known over there. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, tourists. You go into like... It's like going to Kirtland, Ohio. You go into a uh, a uh, uh, olive wood sculpture shop, you oh. know, and you're going to get the nativity stuff. And there's First Vision, and there's Nephi, with, and uh, uh, there's Captain Moroni with the title of Liberty, and there's Lehi <laughs> with the Leahona, and they, uh, they've picked up on that, the locals, and they've... They've I went to, your a, favorite figures. went to a t-shirt shop and got me a BYU Jerusalem shirt. An unofficial one. Unofficial, of course. The guy printed it right there in front of me with a hand press. <laughs> 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 that was in Jerusalem. Cool. But yeah, we, we uh, in a lot of ways, you know, the certificate is accurate. It was kind of a pilgrimage. You think of it as a tourist. I don't think Americans don't think of what they do as pilgrimages. Uh, the way like maybe other cultures do, but that's what it was. And there was a lot of other people doing the same thing. Uh, other LDS groups, other Christian denominations, people from all over the world were seeing these sites. So tell us about your thoughts on pilgrimage. <clears throat> Since you brought it up before you tell us all the rest of the stuff you saw. I think uh, it's an interesting concept, right? What is a pilgrimage? We think of pilgrims in America as the guys on the Mayflower, right? Sure, sure. And they invented Thanksgiving. With the square hats. Yeah. And the Indians but why do for we, accoutrements. Why do we call them pilgrims? Well, because they came over and had Thanksgiving dinner with the pilgrims. <laughs> I mean, the Indians. Right. I mean. But, but why, do, why do we call them pilgrims? That's a, originally that's a good question if i define if i have google define the word pilgrim it is a person who journeys to a sacred place for religious reasons right is that right. what you're getting at with the pilgrims yeah i mean they were they had left england in the church of england right i'm talking about the puritans now well the, the cuz you I, had other it, ventures like jamestown sure but the, the traditional, what we kind of consider the pilgrimage is the, or the pilgrims, the guys who landed at uh, Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock in Massachusetts, were escaping, as the story goes, religious persecution. Right. Right. I wasn't. I didn't go to Israel to escape religious persecution. Well, you're doing more of the old school, old right. country pilgrimage, right. which is a journey to a sacred place for religious reasons. Right, most or just because somebody roped you into a tour. Most, but, most famously, it's the Muslims that do that today. They pilgrimage to Mecca. Right, right. And then they get into the holy city, and then they go and they circle around the, um, what, is that what do they call the, that the place? Hajj, the Hajj, I think, the big square, the yeah. big block. I think it's called, a, or is Hajj the pilgrimage itself? I, I can't remember. Somebody's screaming at it's us right Kaaba. now. It's, it's the Kaaba. It's a square building elegantly draped in silk and cotton. In a, so it's got a veil. It's like their Holy of Holies. And they, right. they circle around it 
Oh, are they circling clockwise? And I think they circle until they can get up to close enough to touch it, right? I think so. <clears throat> yeah, I think Hajj, the term Hajj is pilgrimage, means pilgrimage. Let's see what the internet says. So they're yeah. circling counterclockwise. <clears throat> so you circle it seven times counterclockwise. That's interesting to me. In Islamic terminology, Hajj is a pilgrimage made to the Kaaba, the house of God, in the sacred city of Mecca in Saudi Arabia. That's what the Hajj is? Mm-hmm. So that's pilgrimage. And if you've ever seen uh, pictures or video of, of that, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Oh, pe- it's pe- people circling the Hajj, or I mean yeah. the, the Kaaba. How do you spell Hajj? H A G E? H A J J. J J. See, this is good because you have to spell stuff out for Jordan Bruno here. One of my favorite musical pieces is Wagner's or Wagner's uh, Wagner. Wagner is a paint gun. Wagner was a German <laughs> composer, spelled the same. Uh, Wagner was. Uh, or is the Pilgrim's Chorus. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's a great piece of music. I'll put a link to a, some rendition of that on the site rather than play it right here in sacrilege by just playing it over the mic. <laughs> it's too good for that. Yeah, you know, if we, if I, I should put this on me, if I put more time into the editing, I would just cut it in there and it's, Oh, oh, don't do that. It would be not in keeping with our tradition. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, after a few days in Jordan, we crossed into Israel. And if you know your geography, you know that Jordan is on the east side of Israel. And the border of the two countries is the Jordan River. So we crossed not far from the traditional baptismal site of Jesus, which was closed when we tried to visit it. <clears throat> unexpectedly closed, which can happen over there. There's always something mm. going on somewhere. Um, but we then drove clear across the whole country of Israel, of Israel to the West Coast on the Mediterranean, and we spent some time in the Tel Aviv area. And, <clears throat> and that took, what, 45 minutes? It, didn't, it took <laughs> a little longer kidding. than that, but not, not that long. It's not, it's not very not big. Far, yeah. It's not very big, and... Uh, unlike like the American West, where you can get on a freeway and drive in a straight line for 15 hours. No. Nope. That's not the case. The, the freeways, so to speak, the highways are a lot windier. And I think something a lot of people don't realize is how hilly uh, Israel oh, yeah. is. I mean, Jerusalem sits on like three or four hills. You have, obviously, you have mounts that you've heard of, right? Like the Mount, Mount of, of Olives. Mount of Olives, Mount Here's Scopus. The Mount of Grapes. Mount Zion. The Mount of Dates. And so there's all these hills that the, uh, the, that, and, and the whole country, at least the northern half of it, is very uh, hilly. Yeah. So, um, which is why they call the Golan Heights the Golan Heights, because it's elevated. Oh, okay. And that leads up to Mount Hermon, which is this very tall mountain that sits in... Israel, Lebanon, and Syria. Hmm. So we could see into Lebanon and into Syria from where we were standing near the near that mountain. We didn't get up to the top of it. The top of it is in Syria, if I remember right. Well, that was kind of neat. <clears throat> I've actually been to Lebanon before, sort of. I've been in a plane at the Beirut airport, 
on a oh, layover, okay. and we were not allowed to exit the plane. So really we sat interesting. On the, we sat on the uh, the tarmac, and uh, for like a couple hours, but we were not allowed wow. to exit the plane. They make you sit down that whole time. Yeah, you just sat on the plane. And people were kind of standing up and stretching a little bit, and there's a few people that got off the plane there because they were going there. And right. Okay. A few people, and this was years ago. This was during the height of the Iraq War. Mm. And a lot of the people that got on that plane uh, were, um, like, was it BlackRock? Oh, contractors. They were contractors. These were the people that were in the news a lot at Hmm. that time. And anyway, that's a different uh, story. Whole different story. story. Whole nother story. (laughs) But... um, yeah, and then we saw all the basic, uh, you know, the the biblical the biblical sites, you know that you, you the know, ones the, that the, you saw in the uh, the chosen. Well, yeah, we does, went, it, does it look like that? It it looks exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the Sea of Galilee and and uh, Capernaum and Caesarea and uh, Magdala yeah. and uh, uh, you know you name it we we saw it. <clears throat> Magdala is interesting. That's a city that was founded like a couple hundred years after Christ, but yet they want to say that's where Mary of Magdala came from, right? Is that what they told you? Um, yeah, I, I don't remember when it was founded. I think there's stuff there that dates back to the first century, but uh, I don't remember. Yeah. She's not from there. But there is a chapel there dedicated to Oh, her. yeah. There is There's churches, all kinds of stuff dedicated to them all over the place. There is right? churches built on pretty much everything. Yeah. For good or worse. Yeah. There's yeah. Uh, churches. Of course, you have the, in Jerusalem, you have the, the uh, Church of the Holy Sepulcher, <clears throat> which is one traditional site for where the resurrection, the tomb and the resurrection occurred. Mm-hmm. And there, the, there's this giant church, and inside the church is a shrine, and inside the shrine is what they say is the tomb. And you can actually wait in line and go in it. I didn't do that this time. You've been there before. I'd been there before and, and popped my head in, but... You think that's the place? Well, see, in the LDS circles, we're trained in our culture. We don't like dark, cold, stone churches, Right. Mm-hmm. We like burlap sack on our churches. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I joke. That's on the joke. walls? Right. But, Funny. Uh, but <clears throat> see, the, the counter argument to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is the garden tomb. And the garden tomb is quiet and peaceful, and, uh, you know, the tomb's there, and you can see it. And, and, and also, the mountain right there does look like a skull. So you kind of take your pick, but I think in LDS circles we tend to favor the garden tomb, whereas in, I think in traditional Christianity they favor the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Now, I don't think it really matters, but uh, if the garden tomb was the spot, mm-hmm. right below Golgotha where the road used to go through, the ancient road, is where they probably would have performed the crucifixion because they wanted people to see, right? They wanted to make an example. And that right now is a bus station. Oh, really? Right. <laughs> I'll show you a picture. Okay. But, uh, which is unfortunate that, that that piece of ground over the years just got developed and became something else. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, that's the, the, the challenge, it, especially in Jerusalem, is you have modern Jerusalem built on top of somewhat old Jerusalem. Yeah. A little older Jerusalem, and then way down at the bottom, you have 
ancient uh -huh. Jerusalem. <laughs> and so to find anything old, you've got to go really deep down, which they've done in places. Well, that's what the Templars did when they <clears throat> made their pilgrimage or their crusade right. to Jerusalem. So did you go to the Temple Mount, to the wall, the prayer wall or the wailing wall? We saw what the Western that? Wall. Western Wall. And also the Temple Mount. We went in and got to walk around the Dome of the Rock. Really? Couldn't go inside. Oh, so you got to walk around the shrine. Mm -hmm. Okay. Does anybody get to go in or is it that pretty You much have to have special permission. Uh, basically, if you know somebody who knows somebody who can get you in, you can go you in. You might be able to go in. You don't have to be Muslim to go in if you've got this special permission. And that's changed. That's newish because I think in, in the old days, you could just, they would let tourists in and now with. That's not the case, but but anyway, we got to see, we got to ride up to it and and see it. It's an interesting building in the sense that it's it's really incongruous with everything around it. It's got this gold dome, right? Everything right. around it is stone, or uh, you do have a lot of domes, but nothing gold and shiny like that, right? So it's, I mean, it's sort everybody a, who's listening to this. Everybody who's listening to this knows exactly what we're talking about because it's so iconic and you yeah. see it. And when you think Jerusalem, you think that picture in your mind. But Jerusalem was a really cool city because it's... Have you been there? No, never. It's this, this like collision of modern and ancient. And uh, everywhere you look, literally everywhere you look, there's something historical. Whether dating back to the Roman era or first century or even beyond but then you've also got like there's the history there is just constant right it's we're always making history so even not very far back you've got some cool sites you know, things from the british mandate things from you know the uh, the post 1948 stuff military stuff religious stuff <clears throat> it's the it's the one city in the in the world that everybody wants <laughs> everybody wants it yeah for, throughout history, it's been a pretty popular. <clears throat> when uh, it sits, it sits right in the middle of the of the known universe, right? Like especially that ancient world back then. For tra sure, trade routes, military. Right, it was strategy. the crossroads of the east. Right, and we know Salt Lake is the crossroads, crossroads of, the of the west. Yes. So my favorite radio ads: the Crossroads of the West Gun Show, Gun Show, <laughs> Gun, gun Show. show. <laughs> <clears throat> well, that's. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, no, I've never been back there, and it uh, sounds really interesting. It sounds like a lot of work to, you know, kind of do the do the tour thing because you've got to go through the security and fight the crowds. And yeah, we. I mean, I don't know if it's just the time of year. It wasn't crazy crowded uh, in a lot of the places we went. There was always other buses. We were on a bus. Mm -hmm. The whole tourist thing, right? The name tags, the earpieces. Yeah. Somebody's narrating? Yeah. Somebody's giving you the official story? Yeah, we had a... In, and you in, bought that hook, line, and sinker? Mm, I'm just kidding. We had a... We had a... The tour guide in Israel... You have to have a tour guide. You have like, to have an Israeli tour guide? Yeah, legally. Um, I think... I, I, my understanding is in Egypt, you have to have an is Egyptian tour guide. You right. can't have some American telling you what's up. You have to have their guy telling you what's up. At least the way that we did this. I don't know if you went there on your own you and your wife or something just walked up i mean and there were times we had free time and we could wander around without supervision mm -hmm. <laughs> we can grab a taxi there's just some people in our group who grabbed a taxi went over to bethlehem you know that kind of thing which we did see bethlehem too we went there in the bus mm -hmm. did you get to sleep at the inn 
No, there was no, no, room they were the crowded. It's crowded. Bethlehem's one of those cities too. That's like very modern. Yeah. It's a Palestinian city. Oh, okay. And the wall runs right through it. Really? The, the security wall, if you're an Israeli. So you have a, a rundown <laughs> or the wall of outside. The wall of Israeli segregation. <laughs> is, is one side of the city intact and the other side's <laughs> destroyed? Uh, there's a bit of that. Yeah. You can definitely tell the difference. But uh, Bethlehem was a cool little place, like really modern. And then you've got the wall going through it. And the wall's covered in graffiti, hmm. including many famous Banksy. Remember Banksy? He's got some some uh, graffiti on the wall. I don't... You don't know who Banksy is? No, uh uh-uh. How do you spell that? Bank, S-Y, Banksy. Okay. <clears throat> I'm Look, sure our audience... Are you going to find this on our, the internet, our, our, or is this just oh, a, local, he's a, he, a no, local star? Banksy is super, super famous. He's super famous for being anonymous. Oh, the street artist? There's Banksy art in, in Park City. He's gone all over the world. He, uh, he owns a hotel in Bethlehem called the Waldorf Hotel. Really? <laughs> but he, uh, he's, he's been a real outspoken uh, advocate for Palestinian causes. He, he went there and he painted those. Huh. Those uh, graffiti. I actually got, bought a T-shirt. I had no idea this about this art guy. Pieces on it. So he no, just looks a, like a lot of black and white. There's a whole uh, document documentary about him called "Exit Through the Gift Shop." Huh. Well, generally you do have to exit through the gift <clears throat> shop if you're on a tour. Yeah, we did that several times. Several times. Yeah. Even it was kind of funny. You go to like every a church. time. Probably. You go to a church. It's supposed to be the sacred place, and there's then a you gift shop. Exit through the gift shop. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Huh, so so he'll put up this graffiti. Does he ever get graffitied over, or do people be like, "Oh, we can't touch that. That's uh, a Banksy." Yeah, for the most part, there's kind of a an unspoken agreement that you don't touch his stuff. It, the one in in there's one in Main Street in Park City that has like a casing over the top of it because it's small enough. Really? So they've to protect they've it. Protected it. Yeah. Which Somebody's makes it harder to. It. Maybe you could sell people, that. People do sell his stuff. In fact, I think one of his pieces sold for like $10 million, and he had said, wow, that's amazing. It's a shame I don't own it anymore, <laughs> something like that. And so I, and I don't- And they were like, well, you did paint it on my wall. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. There's, there was a guy in Bethlehem who built a shop around one of the Banksy pieces. Really? And charges people to go in and look at it. Really? Yeah. so enterprise is alive and well in all corners of the earth sure 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 well that's interesting i didn't know about that what what was your favorite thing what thing or what did you take away what's the takeaway what's the did it change you your pilgrimage pilgrimage what's let's talk more about pilgrimage before we get to that point okay what I mean, do we not engage in pilgrimages in our modern world? I mean, some people will do that. They'll go back to uh, the Holy Land as yeah, a pilgrimage right. of sorts. And this was a pilgrimage, right? It was a right. sacred, a journey to a sacred place for religious reasons, right? Not necessarily for for right. Well, for you, was it for religious reasons, or was it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was to go for, and see religious places and learn more about religious. People ultimately Jesus because this was his homeland. So yeah, absolutely. Right. I think in the in the Middle Ages the pilgrimages were 
not, not so much f- just to go see, but they were expecting an experience, right? Like they were looking for spiritual enlightenment. Right. And I, I think that's still the case. I mean, in some cases, right? But a lot of times it's just a tour, right? I think it can be both. I know it can be, but I mean, what what do you think? Was your tour looking for that or was it more? Yeah, so we were- in, a lot, we It were, depends on the people. We were an LDS group. And, that and just does not, I mean, you're not saying that like it should answer my question, but well, you know what I, I mean, It's right? a start of the answer to the question. So we had the, the local tour guide, right? Who was a really well-informed. I, I loved the guy. I, I'm going to send him an email actually, just to keep in touch. Really cool guy. Had a great perspective on current events as well as the history. between you know, The history of Israel, modern history is one of chaos, right? It's it's a land that's always in turmoil. <laughs> in turmoil. Yeah. And we even witnessed a little bit of that. And maybe I'll share that story later. But <clears throat> he was cool. He 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 had lived in the United States mm-hmm. for a time, in, actually in, in in a Western state, and he, he spoke really great English and was really well informed and had, a, I think, a good fair perspective on both sides of the, the conflict in mm-hmm. Israel. So I learned a lot of that kind of stuff. On the other hand, we had an LDS guide who offered more of the spiritual or biblical side of things. Religious. Religious side of things. And I think that was, that was useful as well. And I can elaborate more about that maybe off the air. Because <laughs> uh, they're secret teachings? No, no, just, but, but it was great. Because you could go to, say, Caesarea, and you could learn about the history of the area. Then we would... With the other guide, we would open up the New Testament and talk about what happened there, the significance <laughs> of it. Did Jesus come here? And same with Capernaum, right? There's a lot of the, the New Testament narrative that we have that took place in Capernaum or you know, and at, right. the, at the Sea of Galilee. Right. We rode a boat out onto the Sea of Galilee, and that was kind of cool. And, um, Did you cast your net on the other side? <laughs> we didn't Just cast the one any side. nets. You casted but... the net on the one side, but not the other side? What are you talking about? <clears throat> no one tried to get out and walk in the water either. <clears throat> <clears throat> Why not? I mean, this sounds like a pretty <clears throat> stodgy, you know, stiff, probably old people uh, tour group. It, it was uh, younger than I thought it was going to be. Oh, good. <laughs> there was actually a lot of kids on the group. Cool, but... good. So... Was it a pilgrimage? You know, I don't know that people set out, and, and, and I'm speaking of our group, set out with the pilgrimage in mind, but I think it became that for a lot of people in the sense that we left with a greater appreciation for the geography of the New Testament and lots of the Old Testament too, but, but also for the people, for the, you know, it's, it's kind of like what the Chosen is doing on a large scale. You're, you're, putting faces and personalities to these names that you've read about. Yeah, you're putting some more solidity to and it. And you go there and you put detail. You put geography to it, you put landscape to it, you put climate to it, you put climate change to it. <laughs> right. By the way, are you enjoying our drought? We came back to the drought. Yeah, the drought of uh, 50 straight days of rain. The farmer's Almanac said it was going to be a heavy winter. I just want everyone to remember that, okay? The Farmer's Almanac. Those podunk rednecks. Uh, those guys are more... Knew that it was going to be a heavy winter. They're more accurate than we ever give them credit for. They knew the climate was changing. <laughs> they must be in on the conspiracy. 
I think I'm going to track that down. Okay, keep going. So you're, so you're being serious and I wasn't. Well, no, it's all good. You, you put, so you were able to put places to all of this. You see, I mean, Capernaum nowadays isn't even really, it's a, there's a church there and there's a couple of churches. There's a Greek Orthodox and I think a uh, Eastern Orthodox. There's two different churches there. Now the LDS church has an agreement with them that they won't, expand right or the state of israel like they won't proselyte or something so the church the lds church under the umbrella of byu has a campus there called the byu jerusalem center you've probably heard of it right it is a school first and foremost Mm -hmm. where students in fact i was i almost made it over there for a six-week study abroad and then i met my wife and studied a different changed things But it's a really beautiful building. It's up on Mount Scopus. It has an incredible view of the Eastern Wall and the Dome of the Rock and mm-hmm. Jerusalem. It's, it's an incredible piece of real estate. And the, the, the school, the BYU, the LDS Church, has a 99-year lease on that ground. Mm. And I think they're in year 50-something or 40-something. Mm, getting close. What are they going to do? <clears throat> and uh, the agreement is, yeah, you... you, you you can't proselytize, but you could come. And, and honestly, the people, the, the merchants, the vendors and stuff, especially in the old town of Jerusalem, love the Mormons. Because they can't proselytize, but everybody else can, And right? they spend the a lot Orthodox. of money. <laughs> they spend a lot of money. Yeah. And, uh, are, the other ch- are the other Christian churches proselytizing? That's a good question. I don't think there's a presence of missionaries there from any, anybody. It's mostly pilgrimage. Yeah, and then you have churches there. You have Christian denominations that and local Christians go there on Sunday to church. Right. There's enough there's enough tourists and people that they right. have activity, but they're not out right. knocking on doors and trying now, to spread the good word. Now of course <laughs> to warn their neighbor. The presence of a, a school or a church is proselytizing in a sense. Sort of. And being good neighbors is proselytizing in a sense sort but the, the as far as i can tell and and i've been there twice um byu and the city and the local culture the locals have a pretty good relationship they're, they're okay. they have a good relationship with palestinians and jews and christians and it seems to work what about the muslims yeah well, the Arab Israelis, the non-Palestinians, because not every Arab in Israel is a Palestinian. Or a Muslim. Right. There's Arab Christians, too. Right. But are there a lot of Muslims in the city? Uh, yeah. Okay. There's a, there's a lot of Muslims everywhere over there. Sure. <laughs> Did you run into any conflict? Uh, not really. Okay, that's With great. our tour group. No, we were... Again, we hit these sites that there's several buses at already right Mm -hmm. and for the most part everything was uh everything was fine everything everything was really smooth Mm -hmm. so as far as the lds go the first pilgrimage if you if you live in utah the first pilgrimage anybody ever makes is up to temple square right that would be considered a pilgrimage yeah, you go and see the lights at Christmas time, or, or you just go see the tour. You do the tour in the visitors center, right? You, you go see, see the, the Christus, the dioramas, and the Christus statue. Christus is not an idol. <laughs> okay, you could get an olive wood Christus, by the way, which is also not an idol. It's a statue of deity. 
But uh, it's a replica of Thor Waldson's. <laughs> the Egyptians never would have had the same perspective as us, because they thought <laughs> that the stone was the god, not a. It, it was, they they right. didn't understand symbolism. Well, we okay, can. Sorry, that, we was can, t- that was a little bit too sarcastic. Uh, uh, we're in, uh, modern people are. We are excellent, and maybe the ancients were too. I've never met one, but we're excellent at. <laughs> bending things around in our mind to make them line up and make sense. Well, especially history. Right. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, you're right, though. You go to Temple Square. Maybe you go to This is the Place Monument. You come to Salt Lake. That is a pilgrimage. Now, maybe not if you work up there, right, and you're going up there just to work. That's different. But you make these pilgrimages. Right. For, go to this place for a religious purpose. And then you've got the the pilgrimage back to the church history sites, right? In uh, Illinois, right to Nauvoo. Yeah, Nauvoo, Far West uh, Missouri, or Independence Missouri, Palmyra, New York, Kirtland, Ohio, right? Sharon, Vermont. We call that in in our parlance a church history tour, which is and a pilgrimage. I've never done that. <laughs> I've never done that, but you've never done that. <clears throat> I've never. Okay, been to, now I'm really surprised. I haven't been to those places. Why are you looking at me? I don't think that's true. No, it's true. I've never been. I might have been to Nauvoo when I was a little boy. I think we drove through it on the way to somewhere else, but it wasn't. That wasn't. That wasn't the main reason for the church for the tour. Yeah. Some of my. Have you ever been to the Sacred Grove? No. You've never been there. No. Some of my family members have. Like even some of my kids have. Wow. But I, I've never I'm, been. I'm actually quite flabbergasted. <laughs> I thought for sure you had been there a couple of times. Listen, Jordan, Bruno, I've never been to Timpanogos Cave. Holy sh- bleep, bleep, <laughs> bleep. What? I have climbed Mount Timpanogos several times, though. So. Okay. Well, I would expect that. You've never been to the cave? No. I, I, it's always too crowded with people, with, with pilgrims <laughs> and tourists. <laughs> I, well, I mean, even as a kid, huh? Yeah, never been there somehow. It is kind of funny because I see it often. You know, I drive by it or ride by it on yeah. a bicycle often. Well, I've never been skiing. What? What? The greatest snow on earth. I've been, I've been um, cross country. I've had cross country yeah. skis on once, but I've never been to one of the resorts and done the whole downhill thing that people find unusual. But it is getting so expensive that it's more and more it's common that us uh, incredibly poor people expensive. Can't go. It's incredibly expensive to do that, and it's a production. It is a production. You want to go skiing, you better get up about four in the morning, mm-hmm. rouse well, your. You got to try to get at least some of your money's worth. Right, but you also need to be first in line for the canyon. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in traffic for an hour or three. Really? You know, back in the day, I used to do a lot of backcountry skiing, which is skiing outside the boundaries of a yeah. resort, right? Which can be awesome and also a lot more dangerous. But we would leave about 4.30 in the morning mm-hmm. and, and we would go park somewhere up in one of the Cottonwood Canyons usually. Yeah. And we would start hiking in the dark, usually by about 5 or 5.30 in the morning we were hiking. Mm-hmm. The reason we go so early was so we could get back and still go to work. Um, but also we would go early to beat the resort crowds because okay. the, and this is what an time on- did work start. Oh, nine ish. Really? So you would go skiing before work. Yeah. Holy cow. Uh, you know, it's a, it's Some a, Some guys play basketball at the local stake center. Right. It's a, it's Some guys an go to the gym. ongoing 
ongoing controversy, right, in, in Utah, in northern Utah, especially the Wasatch Front, uh, what to do about these canyons with all the crowds. And mm-hmm. anyway, there was one particular day we got up to the top. This was in Little Cottonwood Canyon. We're at the top of the mountain, and we could look down and see the road. And we were near the we were near Snowbird Resort, but we were not inside those boundaries, but we were a little ways outside the boundaries. And we're looking down, and you can see... You hiked up. Yeah. Well, we put skins on the bottom of our skis. They call it alpine touring. The bindings can lock down for ski mode, or you can put them into hiking mode, which the heels come up, and so you can walk. It's kind of like snowshoeing. Kind of, but you're on your skis the whole time. No, easier than snowshoeing, because you're on their skis the whole time. Okay. And on the bottom of your skis, you attach to what's called a skin, which... It's a one-way In, in one slider. way, it's, it's smooth, and you go the other way, and it's grippy. It's kind so, of a felt. I'll show you. Mine. Okay. I have them in the, right in the room next door. Okay. So, so, but that, you had to get up pretty high. I mean, the whole point about skiing is to go downhill. Yeah. So we would hike up the mountain. Usually, this particular and it's story... it's easier with skis on. As long as you've got skins, yeah. Okay. Because the skins, the skis are big. Yeah. And so you... You, you stay on top. So you just kind of, do you, do you uh, track back and, what do we call that? Uh, switch back. Switch back, yeah. Yeah, if it's steep, you would switch back. And the guy in the front would be breaking trail. Or sometimes you would be, you, you know, if it hadn't snowed for a few days, there would already be a skin track, as you call Somebody it. Somebody else had in been place. there. In place, right. Anyway, this particular day, we're sitting up there and we're, we're taking our skins off. That if out of context context you might wonder what that means but we were pulling the skins off the bottom of our skis so you don't you don't go downhill with them on no no you kind of can but you would never ski with them okay you you want to go fast yeah okay so we would rip skins as they say and you can do that you get good enough you can do that without even taking your skis off so you just and they whip around in the wind and then you roll them up and you put them in your backpack and maybe you put on an extra layer because you've been hiking for an hour now you're all wet right Anyway, we're sitting at the top of this hill, and it's just first light, you know, maybe a little bit after, and, you know, maybe 8, 8, 8 o'clock, and already there's just a line of cars going up the canyon, trying to get to Snowbird and Alta, because mm-hmm. it's a powder day, mm. and the cars aren't moving, mm-hmm. of course, and um, we also get word that the canyon has now been closed. Because of too many cars? Well, too many cars and I think some weather or something. But So I remember I had cell phone and a, a coverage up there. I remember texting work saying, I'm stuck in the canyon, so I'm just going to keep skiing. <laughs> like, awesome. Great. We'll see you when you get here. So yeah, and we do laps. You call it laps or whatever. And, you ski. and depending on how much time you have or the run you're at, you might ski par- part of the way down, put your skins back down, hike up, ski part of the way down hike back up, and then ski all the way out when it's time to go home. If, it's, if you don't have that much time, you just hike up, ski all the way out, and then go home. But mm-hmm. um, why are we talking about this? Well, we're talking about things. That, we we're talking about the fact that you had never been to oh, uh, church history on a sites. pilgrimage to the church history sites back east. Right. And then you said you'd never been to Tibet. Yeah, and you said you never, never skied. And then all of a sudden it was a discussion about skiing because you have some experience <laughs> in that. That's what area. we do. That's what we do. That's where I got my avalanche knowledge. Remember, we had an episode we called a, Avalanche. Yeah, and th- we're in a slow moving avalanche, just FYI. That was, a, that was a prescient prediction, I believe. It is avalanching. It's just not 
exactly how we expect. In fact, next week, I think we're going to do our predictions for 2023 now that we've had a... Uh, we're starting a little late, which is fair because Bobby Flood was on a pilgrimage mm-hmm. earning a title. True. And uh, But we will have the advantage of a couple of weeks into the year to kind of... Yeah. And we've, we've, we've reviewed some of our predictions from last year and I, I don't, I personally didn't get a whole lot right. Well, I think that, you know, it's hard to make predictions for a year because a lot of the things we were talking about, I think are happening. They're just slow yeah, motion true. or it's going to happen later or whatever, but we'll go through that. We're good. We, I think, uh, on the, on the mind virus podcast, by the way, this is the Mind Virus podcast. Find us on the web at mindvirus.show. Yeah, we never did our normal. It's also uh, January 16th. Today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> now that we're an hour in, it would be good to tell everybody all that stuff. <laughs> but uh, what we do with our predictions is we literally do go back and review the last year. And we don't really give ourselves a grade because it would. I think we just do grade A work in general. <laughs> right. But of course. <laughs> but... Uh, we actually do go back and take credit for our failures, our our uh, lack of foresight, and then we proceed to make all kinds of predictions just because that's what you do at the start of the year. One thing that I found, kind if of you're in media, interesting, like is uh, so that we're in media. The stuff that we were predicting and talking about a year ago is nobody's talking about that stuff anymore. Like stuff's well, moving what, the so big, fast. The big thing we were talking about was that the media would pivot. And I think right. that we saw that. It's just it turned out to be Russia. Right, right. Yeah. And now it's gas stoves. <laughs> anyway, for next, we'll save that for next week. So pilgrimage. So you never, you've never been back to the church history sites, which I find quite unusual considering all the secret details I know about you. <laughs> um, that the podcast listeners those do are not secret. Know. Those are secret. We'll keep them secret. Keep it secret. Explain yourself, Mister Flood. Safe. Yeah, I've just never been back there. Yeah, hasn't been a priority. Has the family just not wanted to go? Your parents? No, never most wanted of the, to go? most of the people in my family have been. I so just, the, it just the didn't issue work out is for that me. they all went without you. Uh, yeah. How did, how mean, did the kids get back there without you and mom? You and Mrs. Um, Flood. I think my wife's been... Well, my wife grew up back there. Really? In the East Coast. So she'd been there as a youth. Okay. As a youngling. So it was uh, old stuff. Like, eh, we get, they would go there all the time. Like, we would go to Temple Square. <laughs> not quite, because I mean, it, it was still a bit of a trip, but not well, like Once you get back to the East Coast, it's kind of like, you know, if, if you draw a square the size of Utah, you can get out to Pennsylvania. Yeah. You can go a long way. Uh, what can you get all the way to Tennessee? I don't. I don't think so. It depends on the direction of you the square. You can at least get across the a- Appalachians. Yeah. Like so driving to St. George, you can drive. You can drive from Washington D.C. to uh, Cincinnati in in half a day, can't you? Or Probably. Yeah, I've never tried like it. That. <laughs> I'll check that while you're talking. Keep talking. All right. Well, um, yeah, I've never been back there, but. I've been to Jerusalem twice, so I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. But this time around, we got to spend a lot more but, time. Yeah, in, if you were to calculate that out into money and time and effort, it's prob- you've probably been to the church history sites six times, eight <laughs> times. So if you just take one, we'll just cancel one of those trips to the Holy Land and count it as three trips okay. back east. All right, fair there enough. Fair enough. That's a good exchange rate. Okay. 
But anyway, yeah, this time we got to spend a lot more time in Jerusalem than I did before. So it was fun to just kind of take in that city. So you weren't as uh, um, rushed. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Previous trip, we were there for some undisclosed reasons, uh, work-related, and it was kind of like we were hitting the ground running. Whirlwind. Yeah. By the way, uh, Google Maps is telling me that it takes 160 hours to walk from Baltimore area to Cincinnati. <laughs> and if you are want, people making that pilgrimage, I don't know. It's just that's what it pulled up first. It's a seven. It's an eight-hour drive. Seven and a, seven hours, fifty-five minutes yeah, to Cincinnati. So that's like driving to almost a. You could get into parts of California. Yeah, it's a five. It's Cleveland. That's I was thinking of Cleveland. I said Cincinnati, but it's. Cincinnati's on the west side of Ohio. Cleveland is more like f- five, six hours. So that's like going to Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. But anyway, so uh, pilgrimage. Tell us what was your, what were the takeaways? What were what was so great about this trip? What, I mean, I think you had fun, right? I mean, yeah, it was it was a good trip. I, I like places. Yeah, I like being in a place and imagining what that place might have been like back then whether what you know whether that's first century or whatever but also just seeing it now i like i like sitting in the bus and just looking out the window at the sights and sounds and smells of you know wherever we happen to be watching the locals just live their life kind of staring up at the bus probably wondering the same thing you know who are the people are those in the there? mormons <laughs> are those the, Mo- um, the rich mormons but uh I I liked um when you get out of when you get into like northern Israel like up by Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee it's easier to imagine that in ancient times cuz there's just not as much development up there and you figure the skylines and the 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 horizons probably look much like they did 2000 years ago and the water probably looks a lot like it did I mean it's the ocean No the Sea of Galilee, oh, the sea of Galilee. which is just a freshwater lake about the size of Bear Lake it's not a sea. You, you're not high enough up or close enough to see the ocean from those areas, right? Mm, no, you, no. There are no hills you can get up on. and Not that we, I mean, you're not that far from the Mediterranean, but if you can see it, it would probably have to be a really clear day and you might need to get up high on, on one of those mountains, but I never noticed that I, we were able to see it hmm. from there. <clears throat> But anyway, so like the Golan Heights were really neat, just like as far as scenery wise, that's up near where like Caesarea Philippi is. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of a neat spot. There's some old ruins there, um, but then you've got the water coming out of the rock and, you know, of course that's where Jesus gave his, you know, his parable about the water and the revelation and upon this rock where mm. Peter was made the Pope. Right there. <laughs> And you shall be the Pope in Rome. Or the president of the church. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I, it, yeah, I, so I, I enjoyed that part of it. I, I liked being up there where we could see into Lebanon and Syria. Again, I like maps and I like geography, so that was kind of neat to see, to look down and see into those countries that are basically impossible for any American to go visit right now, which is too bad because... We were only about 30 miles from Damascus and not that far from Beirut. That whole area of the world is small. It's all compacted. Like the whole Bible took place in an area about 
I don't know, uh, you know, a couple hundred miles. You know, you've got, we went to, we went to Megiddo where the, you know, Battle of Armageddon. That was kind of cool. We saw the valley where, where the Battle of Armageddon occurred or where it will where, occur. Where it will occur. If you take that literally, that's where it's going to occur. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and near there is uh, supposedly the valley where David slew Goliath. And we, so could, we, we could uh, invest in probably some uh, bleachers and sell tickets since that's <laughs> on the docket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you could, what you could do is there's these we mountains. We could do pre-enactments. There's these mountains that kind of flank the valleys. You could build bleachers into those mountains. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure it would be somewhat cost-effective. <laughs> we probably didn't even have to, <laughs> do, even have to cut, do the bleachers. We could just cut terraces. It's not a very big valley, so I'm not sure well, if the whole like Battle of Armageddon is going to fit in there. But, but anyway. I don't know. Went to Nazareth. Yeah. And I couldn't help myself. I in Nazareth, I had to pull up Nazareth and listen to some Nazareth in Nazareth, which is an old eighties rock band. Oh good. Nazareth. I didn't know that. <laughs> I gotta go look that up. Uh, um and that's kind of a modern town. There's a <coughs> there's a cool little place where they've they've built a kind of a replica first century village. So was there anything good in Nazareth? Anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, come and see. <laughs> You guys, I'm sure, skipped uh, the town called Beersheba, because um, we don't, Mormons don't drink, of course. Uh, different beer. I don't think we went to Beersheba. Um, Looks like it's spelled beer, B-E-E-R, with an apostrophe, of course. Where is that? It's south of Jerusalem. We went to, uh, speaking of south of Jerusalem, we went to Qumran and Masada. Really? Okay. Went up, rode the tram up to the top of the Masada Fortress and got some good views of the Dead Sea and into Jordan. We saw, in, in, on the Jordan side, we, saw, we went to Mount um, uh, Nebo, which was kind of cool. I've hiked Mount Nebo. Yeah, the one in spring. Oh, okay. <laughs> this was on the other side of the... World. This is the one that that one in the Wasatch Mountains is named after. Yeah, we have a lot of stuff named after their stuff. Yeah, we do. We have the Jordan River. We have Mount Nebo. That's weird. We have Goshen. Goshen. Moab. Moab. Um, we have Root Beer Shiva. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we also have towns like Nephi and Lehi, which come uh, from Mor- the old world. Moroni. They came from the old world, yeah. <clears throat> well, Moroni was born here, but uh, right. So that that sounds like a, a really fun, uh, thought provoking experience. I'm glad you got to do it. Yeah, it was good. It was a bit of a whirlwind. I mean, we're we're seeing multiple sites a day. It's like the bus pulls up. You get up early in the morning, which you're up anyway because of jet lag. You have some breakfast. Uh, usually, um, some hummus, some pita bread some olives, uh, some eggs, and then you go to, you get on the bus and you go somewhere and you see that place and you take some pictures and you learn about it and then you get back on the bus and you drive a little ways and you go to another place and you see it, you learn about it, you take some pictures. Then maybe it's lunchtime and usually for lunch you'd have some pita bread, some hummus, some olives, <laughs> and then uh, maybe some, a pattern developing. some uh, lettuce of some sort. Uh, and a meat, usually chicken, lamb, or beef, 
There's no pork anywhere to be found. Really? Weird. <laughs> Understandably so. <laughs> <clears throat> and then... Uh, uh, <laughs> the pig farmer. There's not a huge thriving pig farm right. industry out there. Saw a lot of uh, shepherds out there in the hills with their sheep. Kind of, yeah. uh, kind of um, quaint looking. Although, you know, it's probably a fairly uh, poor way of life, or poor in the economic sense. Yeah. Uh, and then you do the same thing in the afternoon. A site, learn about it, and then dinner. And then you'd go to sleep because everyone's exhausted because of jet lag and you go to bed at 7.30 or 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I think on New Year's Eve, I stayed up till 8.30, ringing the new year in a, a place north of Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is a really modern city. I, I didn't realize that. It's got a lot of Western money, a lot of tech companies, a lot of uh, just uh, really high-rise modern buildings. Right there on the seashore. Yeah. really. Probably like a resort town almost. It, it is. and. Uh, Kind of felt like almost like Southern California, like really? just the the vibe. Like the, there's a lot of bars and pubs and clubs and restaurants and high end shopping and mm-hmm. things like that. Kind of a fun place. Now it's the Muslims that don't drink alcohol, right? And the Jews, they're fine with that, <clears throat> right? At least your secular, regular Jews. I don't know about the Orthodox or Hasidic Jews. Which yeah. did you see a lot of them? Yeah, especially at the Western Wall, they were come there to make their pilgrimages because a lot of them I don't think were from there. Mm. Our flight out of Israel to New York City on the way home mm-hmm. was a, they had a lot of uh, uh, Hasidic Jews on that flight, mm-hmm. and you can tell because they have the uh, the side they wear, what they wear, and then they have the sideburns, side curls, and then the the hat, kind of the little. I'm sure I'm being offensive here. I don't, it's not a top hat, but it's kind of a brimmed hat. A traditional hat. Um, then the the black suits kind of have a different cut to them. Why do they keep the side? So I looked that up because I was curious. Because that's all they keep, right? They can cut the rest of their hair. The answer I found, and I didn't look up the verse, that apparently in the in the Old Testament there's a verse that says, you shall not trim the rounds of, the, of your face, the round of your face. Is this in Leviticus or Deuteronomy or something like that? Let's look it up. And so they've interpreted that to to kind of grow out the. And they also wear the the garment with the corners that come out, right? Uh, That they the tassels on the sides. Yeah, I saw some of that. Leviticus 19.27, NIV version or NIV translation, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Okay, so they have... <clears throat> King James, you shall not round the corners of your heads, neither shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. So you did see guys with untrimmed beards, really long beards on occasion. And then some of these... So, and there's different... Some of them have the side curls that, had never been cut. They go clear down. They'll braid them. Mm-hmm. I saw one kid, probably twelve years old. It looked like he had just unbraided his, and they were just like, <laughs> like, and he was like waving. You know, he was like feeling free and easy uh-huh. or something. But and they were really long. Others will just keep it a little longer than their heads, than their hair. Oh, and, okay. And so there's different interpretations of that. Interesting. But a lot of them, yeah, they have it long enough where they braid them and then tuck them behind their ears or just wear them. Hmm. And it's kind of, it's kind of looks cool. I mean, that's not the reason they do it, but it's an interesting look, especially with the hat and then everything. It's a, I know listeners can picture exactly what I'm describing because we've all seen that. Do you know why they wear the, 
the traditional garb? I don't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't look into that. Huh. But we got to go right up to the Western Wall and touch it. And if you cool. wanted to, you could write a a prayer and stick it into a crack on a piece of paper. I've got a picture of that, and that's, um, you know, a traditional thing to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that, and but I had to go up and kind of put my hand on the wall and just be there. <clears throat> that's really cool. There was a lot of kids there, um, sitting in desks studying. The, the at wall, the wall? At the wall, like a little class setting. And they were. They bring their desk? I don't know if the d- desks are there. Are they like heavy desks? They no, look they're like little, they, little. They're like, little portable desks? Yeah, and they were just there and they had the scriptures opened up and hmm. they were. I don't know if it was a field trip or what, but. Well, they're serious about that. Yeah, definitely. We saw a lot of kids. You can come and you can have your bar mitzvah right there. At, really? And what they do is. You, you have this procession that goes up this walkway leading to it before you go through security to get into the western uh-huh. wall area. And so they have, I could show you videos too, they, they have people playing music and the, the kid whose yeah. bar mitzvah is, is walking and he's got, they're holding the shade over his head mm-hmm. and they're taking pictures. And the kid, these poor kids are what, like 14 years old or something when mm-hmm. that happens, or 12, and they all look so uncomfortable and, you know, every, <laughs> all this attention on them. And, yeah. And so you can you can pay money to to do that, and you can fly your whole family out from New York or wherever you're from. So who or, do you have or, to clear it with? I mean, is there like uh, a Jerusalem authority? I think you just schedule it and and hire. And, and this kind of area is a little bit of a public area, so it's yeah. I don't know if it's like yeah, okay, you will be at two thirty, be on time. Yeah, because see, the problem with the LDS pilgrimage sites, you can't do that because there's all these missionaries milling around. There's <laughs> right. these uh, the, there's these missionaries, like couple missionaries, right. sister missionaries, and they're always telling you what to do there. You can't right. take advantage of the place, the sacred space, in the way you want to. You have to go on the tour or right. listen to the sister missionaries. <clears throat> so you go through security. So there was then, no equivalent of the sister missionaries there? No, we. I mean, we just had our tour guides. But sounds like it's pretty cool for. There's like, n- nobody there on site telling you where to be and what to do, or what or, the history or what is, the, or what the history what the, is, what right? the narrative is that you're supposed to. So you go through se- you go through security, and then you can from there, there. There's a women's side of the wall and a men's side, and we had to put on little head coverings like yeah. a yarmulke, yeah, and that they provide for you these little disposable ones, huh? Um, and then you can go into that area and hmm. and spend some time there, which was neat. That's cool. We when we made a pilgrimage, one of I've been back east a couple of times. When we made a pilgrimage out to um, Palmyra to the Joseph Smith, uh, the the family home, right? Isn't that in Palmyra? Yeah. We ended up going in the old log home with unaccompanied, and one of the sister missionaries, man, she got over there like it was a couple minutes later, but they discovered us. <laughs> we were in there just, you know, having a very quiet, reverent, you know, just talking about the history or talking about the the what it might be like to live in that area, and she right. she was aghast. I mean, I thought we might be excommunicated <laughs> because. She got in. You are not supposed to be in here. I'm supposed to be accompanying you. And 
Okay. And you just look at her and say, all right, you're accompanying us now. Be quiet. Yeah. It's just, (laughs) well, no, she had to give us a a tour. She had to give us the The spiel. Yeah. We weren't, there was no free form. It was like, yeah, uh, we have a program here and you're going to sit down and shut up and listen. (coughs) It was interesting because, you know, we went to all these places. And like I mentioned earlier, there's churches and chapels at a lot of them. Old, some of them very old churches that were built by Catholics or Greek Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, what, you know, just depending on the time on these sites, right? And we went to, in, uh, in um, Nazareth, you had the Church of the Annunciation, right? Built near where Mary supposedly, where the angel uh, came to Mary. Yeah, you know, and get, told her that she was right. to have the son. But uh, there's this slab of stone at the Church of the Holy <coughs> Church of the Holy Sepulchre. There's a slab of stone which is allegedly the slab of stone that they laid Jesus' body on, mm-hmm. and it's sitting there on the ground, and it has like a little shrine built around it, and people come up to it and kiss it and touch it and kneel at it, and just for historical sake, I I knelt down and put my hand on it because I thought, well, if this really is that stone, it'd be neat to touch it. Yeah. Just say you touched yeah. it. <laughs> but there's other people literally, you know, they're kissing, they're they're praying over it. And that that's not really my tradition and our tradition. But, but they let him kiss the stone. Yeah. And and basically you go in you can go in there unaccompanied and spend you can like I said, you can wait in line to go into the shrine itself. <clears throat> or you can just wander around. And I I wandered around freely taking pictures and and there's time to contemplate and to think and to admire the, the ceiling art. And a lot of people in our group are like, oh, yeah, I didn't like that place. Speaking specifically of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, because it is very dark. It's stone, so it's not cold, or it's cold in that mm-hmm. sort of unwelcoming Gothic castle kind of way. And there's a lot of candles and over-the-top decoration and, and artwork. but. I liked it in the sense that it's, again, I, I like places, and that's a cool place. It's a very historical, it's historically significant place. It is, the, it is to the Christian world in Jerusalem what the Dome of the Rock is to the Muslim world in Jerusalem. It's like Christianity's most sacred spot, and so it was cool to be there. Would I have decorated it the same way? <laughs> no, but... It's not a matter of like decoration or a result of that. It's it's been there for years and years and years, centuries or whatever. I don't remember when it was built, but I think it's important and valuable to put aside your own sort of expectations or biases and just accept something and see it for what it is and appreciate it for what it is and not think those people kneeling down and kissing that stone are misguided. It's like, no, they're on a pilgrimage too. And they're here just like we're here, and they're finding and looking and seeking for something just like we are. And hopefully that doing that helps them find that. And if that's the case, then great. Kneel down and kiss the stone if that's what you want to do. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that was a yeah. little bit of a soapbox. But no, I think it's... But I don't think it's valuable for us or anyone else to say, you're doing it wrong. You're doing your pilgrimage wrong because you do something different than the way I do it. Yeah, the, um, 
the general uh, attitude that we've adopted here in the West, and this applies to pretty much everything, is don't touch any of the artifacts. Well, and, don't and, touch anything. But in it, the old world, they've been touching them for centuries. In and the United so, States, it's a felony to pick up an arrowhead. You're you're out and about. You find an arrowhead. It's a felony to pick up an yeah, arrowhead you, if you, you find an arrowhead. You're not supposed to touch them. It's the Antiquities Act. Read read that. So, I mean, it's hard to enforce, right? But <laughs> but if, what if, about all these arrowheads in the gift shops? Those are all just manufactured, right? Probably, yeah. But yeah, it, it, you're not, if you find something, you are not to touch it until like a whole team can come out and then probably steal it from you, even on your own land. If you were, uh, you know, if you were digging around on your own land, and the, the, there's a scene in the hit television show Yellowstone. I don't know if you've watched that. I finally no, uh-uh. binged it after, you know, I had a lot of time on an airplane. Um. There's a scene where they're digging up the ground to build a, a airport or something, and they find Indian remains, yeah, skull and some artifacts, and it, of course, shuts down the entire operation because mm-hmm. they got to get all kinds of teams in there, to, mm-hmm. and, which you should. You know, you find something like that, that's, that's historically significant. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're tinkering around in, in the West Desert, and you find an arrowhead. You're not going to reveal anything about the world by... Studying that, that arrowhead. arrowhead. <laughs> you just pick it up, put it in your pocket, but that's illegal. You can't do that. It's illegal. Yeah. If, if, what, if it, what if you can just say, well, it was just a gift shop arrowhead? <laughs> you can try that. <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead and try it. Let me mm. see here. I'm going to look up the Antiquities Act. It was the first United States law to provide general protection for any general kind of cultural or natural resource, it established the first national historic preservation policy, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. It required, let's see. The, well, this is too, this is just too heavy. Too much reading here. Too legalese, but well, there, anyway. Maybe I'm mistaken or maybe it's been updated a bit, but I hope, I hope I, I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's unlawful. <laughs> to mess around or touch anything that you might find. <clears throat> well, I think that's really fun and exciting that you got to go see that stuff and touch the slab. <laughs> yeah, and they, and at the garden tomb, you get to go in the tomb. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting and you yeah. get to see that and So what those were your favorite spots or what was what was the, what was um, the favorite? What was the big what are the big things that uh where was the epiphany? I mean, it's hard to it's hard to not love Jerusalem. It's just that city is, there's always something going on. There's always something to see. It's this mix of modern and old, and it's just a cool city. There's a lot of character to it. It's not like you go to cities nowadays in the United States, and it's just sort of glass and steel, and there's parts of Jerusalem that are like that, right? But um, the areas around the old city are just there's just a lot of flavor to it and you can walk down the streets of the old city and there's shops and things and they kind of have that old school feel so just being there was just the, being there that was neat. the best part of the experience and just seeing like i said you see this collision of cultures right mm-hmm. you've got you've got jews you've got christians you've got muslims you've got arabs you've got americans you've got 
people from all over the world are colliding and crashing the city, all for the same reason, and that's to find their God and to worship their God and to become mm-hmm. closer to their God. And I think that's there's no other place like that. Mm-hmm. There's no other place where the three three of the mm-hmm. biggest religions, if not the three biggest religions in the world, all mm-hmm. all. Well, I think what the listeners want to know and what I want to know is, did it bring you closer to God? Did you have yeah, that absolutely. kind of an experience? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, ultimately, we're chasing echoes, but there's still, those echoes exist. And it's, it was great to think that this is, this is where Jesus walked. You know, this is cliche, right? But it's literal too. And this is where, this is where Peter, this is the seashore. This is where Peter right. made his living. Yeah. And James and John. And, and this is the, this is where this happened and that happened. And it brings those people to life. And, uh, but ultimately, yes, the answer to your question is yes. And the spirit, that spirit still lingers in that land. It is a mm-hmm. holy land. And that, that's something that I think that's why people go there. I think so, yeah, and I think that's traditionally what a pilgrimage is, is you f- you go to experience the divine. You're supposed to go and get something greater, otherwise, why would you go? I guess just for curiosity, just to tour? Yeah, if you like traveling and you like but seeing the world, then it's a, just on that. It demonstrates. Just on those grounds alone, it's worth yeah. going to, because there's so much history it, there. It does demonstrate, though, the <clears throat> fact that we are tourists in in that modern sense, that profane sense how far removed we are from our ancient roots where they viewed everything as sacred. And so they would go on this great, this great trip at significant peril, you Mm -hmm. know, to experience the divine so that they could, uh, experience the sacred. Right. And that, I think there's, there are a few places in the world where you can kind of get that feeling. And I think Mecca has got to be one of them. Uh, I think you have to be, part of the religion to go into Mecca, don't you? You have to yeah. Yeah. If I I understand mean, it right. You, without, can't, you can't go in as, a, as somebody who's not... At least into that spot where that Kaaba, is yeah. that what it's called? That It's I, the holy city. It's for those the believers in that I tradition. I think there's parts of Mecca that are just regular, like a okay. regular city. I don't know for but sure. I don't know either, but Saudi Arabia itself isn't... It's not impossible for an American or a Westerner to get into Saudi Arabia, but it's yeah, not it's a different, easy either. different issue. But um, <clears throat> Jerusalem is one of those places, I think, where you have that kind of uh, reverence. And then there's other... I've never been to Istanbul, the Hagia Sophia there, or the Taj Mahal, right. some temples. There, there are places around the world where you should get that feeling. Right. Yeah, cathedrals. Notre Dame mm-hmm. in Paris used to be one of those kind of places. But it, I, I was there before it was... Uh, before it burned. And... It's still a tour. It's a little bit more touristy, you know. It's yeah, and some of these. I don't think you get the sense of the reverence. Some of these places in Jerusalem, anyway, and, and surrounding area, are still are kind of touristy. Yeah, but most of the churches, if you go inside, they have little signs that say, you know, uh, take your hat off, be reverent. They have, they ask the tour guides not to do their explanations. There's like mm-hmm. no explaining inside is how mm-hmm. they 
But yeah, and, and they want it to be a quiet, contemplative yeah. experience. So you go in there and there were times you'd see people sitting in a pew or on their knees or whatever, having a religious experience. And you're in there just to kind of see it and maybe take some pictures, but you respect that. Mm-hmm. You keep your distance or you, you whisper and you, you know, mm-hmm. there's a few, <clears throat> there was a few uh, churches we'd go into and there was one where a, a Christian group sang a couple of hymns, which is really nice. And then we did the same thing. This church, I guess, was really well known for its acoustics. And it did. Everybody it made us all sound like professional yeah. <laughs> choir singers. But, um, but it, those kind of little touches are, are neat. Like, mm-hmm. like it's what makes that land what it is. Well, what made that land what it is, is the events that took place there. Mm-hmm. But we're there now, like I said, kind of echoing it or chasing shadows of that, hoping to get a glimpse of it. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things that's interesting is there are people who study sacred sites, and, and uh, you've, I'm sure you've looked into this before. They will say that they're, they are literally nexus points of intersection of ley lines mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. magnetic telluric <clears throat> energies in the earth, and they, and they they often intersect at these sacred sites. And so uh, I think there are, you know, I don't necessarily feel like I'm gifted in that way, but I know people who uh, are, and they feel it. You know, they can they can sense that they have different experiences there. So, so some people would have um, greater sensitivity. Who some people who would have greater sensitivity to that sort of thing might get a lot out of being at a sacred site. Right. And I'm sure there's that kind of stuff that intersects all over like that land where yeah, Israel, modern day Israel. I think the the crowds kind of make that more difficult to sense, but when they try to when they when they tell you, "Hey, don't talk in here," but they let you come in and experience it, that's kind of cool cuz you know, they're trying to allow that type of experience but uh also allow access to it. When we, li- when we limit the access, that's one thing I like about what you're, what you're uh, describing here is it sounds like they were allowing access as much as possible. And we have a lot of situations now in, um, in, in the way, way the world is right now where you just can't get access unless you know somebody or right you work out all the details like i we we were going to go we we traveled a little bit in the uh south and on the along the gulf coast last year and we wanted to go to the alamo on the way back but it turns out you have to get tickets and you have to get them in advance and so it was on the way home and i didn't understand that and the alamo is just a little tiny place you know it's like hey we could we could walk in there that would be okay it wouldn't it wouldn't disrupt the flow of anything, but they had to, you had to go through their ticket booth and you had to get them in advance and they'd sold out for the day. And it's like, okay, so we will just try to catch a glimpse inside the doors, but, uh, sorry, out of luck, you know? Right. Cause you, I mean, like I said, we, we showed up to the baptismal site and it was closed, but also you were with a tour group. And so any of that would have been arranged in advance. Right. It, It was closed unforeseeable right it wasn't like oh we didn't realize it closes at two or something that and we never got an explanation of why that was but it makes sense when you consider that the jordan river is a international border and one of the most conflicted it's a very conflicted border national borders in the world and so it's like oh well darn 
But we went to the Dead Sea and floated in it. I did not partake of that. You didn't float. No, I, I put my hands in and I didn't, I wasn't really dressed for it. <laughs> was everybody else prepared for yeah, it? Yeah, they brought swimsuits Everybody's and stuff. Everybody's like, hey, and, we're doing it. But I just, I, I was the keeper of the valuables. Oh, okay. <laughs> Watched over bags. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the fact that, in, I mean, who knows, <clears throat> you know, speaking of predictions, like who knows if we're going to be able to go back to that part of the world and enjoy the freedom to go see what we saw. Because a, a couple of things tilt one way or the other, and that that part of the world becomes too dangerous. Well, transatlantic travel could become too dangerous. Right, yeah. right. So if you have the opportunity to go, I would say definitely go. It's definitely worth seeing that, that part of the world and uh, those specific sites. That's cool. Well, I, I hope... Uh, that this is interesting for our listeners is certainly interesting for me. I'm I'm uh, glad to hear that you had a had a fun time, a good, refreshing, good experience, and that it was a pilgrimage of sorts rather than just a, a tour. Right. The uh, the last thing I want to say here on the show today is just to read you the lyrics of the Wagner Pilgrims Chorus from. Tannhauser, I think, is the way that you describe it. Okay. Or the way that it's pronounced, but uh, that's the opera that this comes from. And the Mormon Tabernacle Choir did a great rendition of this way back. <laughs> and I've never, I've, I've found one recording of it that I was able to get. My dad had it on a vinyl record. And there have been multiple re enactments of, of, you know, multiple times that they've actually sung it, but they've never done it again with the full orchestra. They've done it with like a, uh, an organ. I don't know. Just, to, I haven't ever been able to find it really good, but I, I, I really like this. And I've, I remember it from when I was a kid and the, this has been translated a few different ways, but this is the way they sing it. And I really like the, the lyrics to this. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, uh, once more with joy, because this is the pilgrim returning home. He's been on the pilgrimage. He says, once more with joy, O my home, I may meet thee. Once more, ye fair flowering meadows, I greet thee. My pilgrim's staff henceforth may rest, since heaven's sweet peace is within my breast. You see, the pilgrimage was a success. <laughs> right. Okay. That's great. I like that. He says, the sinner's plaint, short for complaint, right? The sinner's plaint on high was heard. On high, and the, the words that I'm reading here, I think are a little bit wrong. It's something like, my sacred prayer was answered by the Lord. The tears I laid before his shrine are turned to hope and joy divine. And then it gets into the, the really strong part of the, the song. And I hope if you're listening that you'll go to our website at mindvirus.show and click on the link that I'm going to put or the, click, watch the, the audio recording of whatever version of the Pilgrim's Chorus I'm able to um, find to put up there because the, uh, the music that accompanies this is what makes it incredibly powerful. So then it starts to build, O Lord, or O Lord, eternal praise be thine. 
the blessed source of thy mercy overflowing, O souls repentant, seek ye all-knowing. He is the blessed source. He is all-knowing, right? This is about the Lord, right? Of death and hell, I have no fear, for my Lord is ever near. And then they say, Alleluia, three times, and then eternally, eternally, and that's... uh, it kind of tails off, but it is really powerful, and it it encapsulates the whole point of a pilgrimage, which is that the pilgrim obtains the sweet peace from heaven, and the hope that comes of knowledge from on high that, like Joseph Smith said, was required for salvation in Lectures on Faith, Lecture 3, that you need to have knowledge that the course you're pursuing is in accordance with his will, right? So the pilgrim has gone out and sought knowledge from heaven and received it and therefore can praise the Lord eternally and um, therefore he has no fear of hell and death for he knows that the Lord God is ever near. Hence, alleluia, 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 which of course means praise be to God. So, I think that's, uh, for me, those, uh, <laughs> that particular piece is, is very important. And um, I think pilgrimage is important. You know, I think that uh, going out of our uh, way to try and have that experience, whether you're, whether you're making your pilgrimage up to, Salt Lake to Temple Square or back east or to some other sacred site or into the mountains or whatever whatever it is to go out of your way to try to to get that connection um, could be the difference between liberty and life and captivity and death, I guess, as <laughs> it was said in the Book of Mormon. Right. Well, well said. That's a good note to end on. We appreciate all our listeners. Um, Again, find us at themindvirus.show, your favorite podcast aggregators. And we will be back again next week, right? I think so. Okay. (laughs) We've got to do our predictions, so. Yeah, we do. Predicting that in (laughs) two weeks, (laughs) there will be no more show because. (laughs) No. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. Okay. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great week.